feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. I'm pretty excited to bring this next episode of the Conquer Local podcast to all the raging conquerors out there. I met someone here a few months ago. His name's Ian Jones, and you're going to hear a lot from Mr. Jones as he has joined us at Vendasta as our VP of Sales Training and Enablement. He comes to us after a long and storied career with a publishing group in the United Kingdom called Argent. And Mr. Jones was responsible for scaling sales organizations in excess of 300 frontline sellers. And, you know, in the first interviews, when we started to meet Ian and understand more about him, it was like, we've got to figure out a way to work with this gent. And I've had the privilege of working with him pretty much every day for the past six months or so as we've been building out internal sales training protocol for new hires, for existing teams, figuring out how to take struggling reps and get them back to hitting quota, sending them back to an academy. We've talked about all of those items and been working diligently to come up with a great training protocol, not only for our inside teams, but also for our channel partners and for conquerors like you. So as I mentioned, you'll be hearing more from Mr. Jones, not just in this episode, which is upcoming, but in the weeks and months to come as well through the Conquer Local Academy. Mr. Ian Jones, the VP of Sales Training and Enablement at Vendasta will be our guest next on the Conquer Local Podcast. It's another edition of the Conquer Local Podcast. And every once in a while, I get to bring you some of the goodness that are the colleagues that I have the privilege of working with on a day-to-day basis at Vendasta Technologies. And today, Mr. Ian Jones is joining us. And I six months ago, I couldn't have said colleague because uh, you, know, you weren't at the company, but we've been able to attract Mr. Jones and his family to move all the way to Canada from uh, England. And uh, Mr. Jones, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to introduce you to our audience. Thank you, George. I'm excited to be here and excited to be a, a new member of the Vendasta family. So Vice President Sales Training and Enablement, before you uh, joined the rocket ship, give us a little bit of background as to what you were doing. Yeah, sure. Um, I've spent 20 years in a variety of roles in sales. They've always been in the direct um, sales space, both as frontline salesperson early on in my career and then in a variety of management and leadership roles. Uh, but I've also spent about 30% of my time um, in people development roles, training and enablement. Um, and, I've, and I've flitted back into across frontline sales and, and training and enablement more than once. Um, and uh, I think that's given me a, an, an interesting perspective on um, what's required to support sales activity and drive high-performing sales teams. Um, and that's what I hope to bring to the party at Fantastic. One of the things that I'm a big believer in is you can't scale suck. And um, by putting together a good foundation and building a program where not just one rep, not just the top performer could be successful, but all reps could be successful, really is the key to scaling a, that high-performance sales organization. In your experience, what are some of the big bottlenecks that could happen 
when you're trying to build out that scalable sales model? Yeah, that's, I couldn't agree more. One of the things that I've seen time and time again is organizations struggling to transition from that cottage industry um, approach to building sales capability and supporting the onboarding and development of new hires to really having a, a systematic, uh, consistent, thorough approach um, that takes all of the best practices um, from across the organization and applies them consistently. So th- that's a regular bottleneck that I've, um, that I've experienced. The, um, it's not an easy transition to make. Um, sales leaders and managers are notorious for hiring and, and developing in their own mold. Um, and often we find that uh, training and development or learning, deve- learning and development, as we refer to it here in the UK, um, often sits within human resources or people operations um, and uh, struggles on occasion to get, uh, to get traction with those sales leaders. So building robust um, and meaningful relationships with the sales force, with the sales guild, and particularly the leaders, um, and having the respect of the sales force and the sales leaders as, as those that are tasked with building capabilities crucial. You know, you've scaled organizations in, you know, excess of 300 salespeople going through uh, training academy. Um, and you've been doing that for a number of years. So I was excited to get you on the broadcast today to share some of those learnings you've been teaching me over the last couple of months on some of these programs. Um, the the one thing that I, I really liked was, you know, you, you heard the episode around uh, being the four levels of competency, and then you built a training program. No, I don't think that's actually how it went. Um, but you, we just recently did that episode on, on the four levels of, of competency. And it's one of the big things that you believe as you start to build a training program for a salesperson. Give us your lens on those four levels of competency. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm a big believer in learning and development, training and development interventions being underpinned by sound theory. Um, and one of the theories that I have used time and time again um, is, the, uh, is the competency ladder or the competency framework, the four stages of competency. Um, and I think it's a wonderfully simple framework that allows both the learners and those responsible for delivering the learning and making the learning a reality. It's a wonderfully simple framework within which you can contextualize that learning journey, the, the, the stages or the steps that the individual is going to go on. Um, and so, uh, you know, you've rightly said, I brought this uh, with me to, to Vendaster and the, uh, the onboarding and induction program that we've been working on with our new sales professionals. This is one of the core theories that, that underpins the approach that we take to learning and development and building um, competent and effective salespeople. Um, and we actually run a, we actually run a session with the guys. Um, I'm running it tomorrow with the latest uh, cohort of um, inductees. Um, the, the title of the session is learning to learn. And we take them through the fundamental principles that underpin the approach, the strategies that we take to learning so that they can comprehend and understand the process that they're going to go through and why we do some of the things that we do. Um, and in my experience, in my opinion, when a learner understands, has, um, you know, pre-warning of the journey that they're going to go on, the steps that they're going to go through, how they're going to feel as they move from that completely unconscious incompetence where they simply don't know what they don't know, 
all the way through to this you know, level of mastery or unconscious competence, which is the thing that we're striving for. Once we can explain to them the, the journey they're going to go on and how it's going to feel, I think they're much more willing to embrace uh, the learning interventions that we put in, in front of them. You said something very interesting, and it's, you know, understanding if the subject is ready to learn how to learn. Mm-hmm. And I, I know over your career, because you and I have talked about this, and I know I've felt that this pain, you stand up in front of a group of folks, you deliver a masterful training program, um, and then they, you know, they, they pick up on some of the, or they don't. And usually yeah. it's the latter. Um, you, you have realized over the years that there needs to be this level of repetition to truly make that competency stick so that it just becomes something that you just unconsciously do. What, where did this come from, this idea of, of this repetition and what level of repetition are we talking about in order to really make that learning stick? Yeah, I don't mind sharing that at all. I, I, it's very generous of you to say I've realized, but I'm really just standing on the shoulders of those that have gone before me here, George. Um, the, um, the the theory that um, I subscribe to and learned about during my time in uh, consultancy while I was working for an organization here, here in the UK called Silent Edge, uh, the theory is um, based on the work of a German psychologist called Hermann Ebbinghaus. Um, the work's over 100 years old now, but... Um, He's famous for the forgetting curve. The model that he proposed from his research um, is often referred to as the forgetting curve. And he did a huge amount of research over a 20-year period from about 1890 to 1910 about how people acquire information and then the degradation of that uh, information over time. Um, And he actually concluded that as much as 50%, 50 to 60% of the information that you acquire in a learning intervention can be lost within a 24-hour period. Um, But he also did a lot of research into how do we stop that degradation? How do we reverse it? Um, And came up with an optimal um, frequency of uh, additional learning interventions, repetition, to, um, to try and reinforce and underpin the, the knowledge that was transferred in that very first session. Um, and his research uh, concluded that with as few as five or six um, repetition sessions over a three-month period, uh, you can achieve uh, levels of retention in excess of 95%. So again, this is another one of the theories that we use in everything that we do when we build these learning journeys. It's to uh, make use of this research uh, that, that was done and has been proven over a uh, hundred years and to make sure that the repetition that we put into the learning interventions, the learning journeys that we build for our staff is optimized to make the learning as efficient as possible. We don't want to have to repeat something 10 times if five times we'll achieve 95% plus levels of retention. And again, this is something we teach our new recruits. So tomorrow I'll be taking the latest cohort of um of new Vendasti and sales professionals through this model and explaining to them that although you may feel repetition is boring sometimes, it's crucial to acquiring and retaining that knowledge. Well, and, and learning management systems and the ability to go back and, and learn at your own pace, you know, that's really the norm now that we have rather than you've just got the instructor. And uh-huh. um, if you don't get it during that session, you're not going to get it. You know, the, the, we, we do have the ability to do repetition with technology, which helps. 
The, the exciting thing that I want to share with our audience is that Ian's brilliance when it comes to sales training and enablement is not just for the internal team at Vendasta, although that is a robust enough challenge as it is. It also is this ultimate goal that we have to take that material and provide it to our channel partners. And maybe even some of that material could be provided to their customers as well. Because I think we all, we all have the same issues when it comes to understanding you know, digital marketing funnel, understanding demand generation, understand, you, you name it. The, it's not just the internal teams. It also is our, our channel partners and then their customers that can be utilizing um, this knowledge. So it's going to be a much, much uh, broader scope. And you be seeing a lot of it inside the academy and the community as, uh, as we continue to move this forward. What do you think is one of the biggest challenges, uh, Ian, when you've over the years you've been coming into these organizations, what's one of the biggest challenges in, in building that systematic training and onboarding approach? Well, that's a good question. There are so many, and I think a lot of them depend on the organization. A, a common one for me is time, okay? Uh, investing in people's personal development and, and uh, their training is a time-consuming task. And it's not why they've been employed, They've been employed to do a specific task or, um, you know, fulfill a specific need for the organization and its customers. Um, and, if, and if we bring it back to sales, we want our salespeople ramped and achieving quota as quickly as possible. Um, so for me, one of the big challenges is, is how do I convince leadership within an organization, leadership within a sales function, that the investment that's required, the time that we need to take this new hire or even this existing salesperson away from their day job is going to pay dividends. And, um, and, and a big way of doing that is by helping them understand the, the process we put these guys through. I like to think of learning as a process and the process that we put these recruits through, all these, all these external learners through, is based on sound theory and that the learning journey is as efficient as it possibly can be. You've mentioned technology being a huge facilitator, and I couldn't agree more. Long gone are the days where we need to lock somebody in a room for four weeks, for eight hours a day, and the transfer of knowledge is from one human being to another. There are, there are creative ways in which we can leverage technology to ensure that the sequencing of the repetition, for example, is delivered in the most um, efficient and optimal frequency to, to mean that the downtime away from the day job is, is, is as low as it possibly can be. Tell me about the 70-20-10 um, <laughs> math that you run when it comes to building these programs. I think our listeners will really appreciate the science behind it. Yeah, of course. So the 70-20-10 model has been around for a, a good number of years. And um, you only need to Google it and do a little bit of reading to see that it's very widely adopted in the uh, learning and development world these days. In fact, um, I saw one claim recently, I think it was on a LinkedIn article, that said uh, between 80 and 90% of the 500 biggest organizations globally um, have the 70-20-10 model sitting at the core of their learning and development strategy. The, the, the numbers themselves represent the proportion of time uh, that a learner will spend performing particular types of activities or learning interventions to, to move towards the level of competence. So the 10 references what you would call um, traditional learning, um, classroom-based learning, the consumption of content, the reading of books, 
but it's development through structured courses and programs. Um, and only 10% of the time should be spent in that type of intervention. The 20 is uh, learning through others, uh, uh, communal learning or peer-to-peer -peer learning, where you work with colleagues and peers to develop your capability. And then 70% of learning should come through experience, experiential learning and self-development, where the learner really takes responsibility themselves and is often applying um, the, uh, the theoretical um, that has been acquired at the 10 um, at the 10 percent of learning and, and refining their ability to apply it and use it. Well, there's some there's the 70 20 10 as only Mr. Ian Jones can tell it. And uh, it you know it definitely makes sense when you break it down that way. I, I find it interesting that you are calling out what I believe to be one of the big misses when it comes to onboarding an inductee. And I would love to get, you know, call, I know you will call me out if you don't agree, but it's okay. this idea of, well, we're just going to take Susie and she can just shadow Colleen for the next two months and she will become Colleen. It just, it, it, it's the time wasted in that shadowing because it really depends upon the person that's, that's the shadow. And it depends upon what's going on in their funnel and their pipeline. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't spend time with a rep that's doing it, but it shouldn't be the only thing that's part of training. I, I totally agree, George. And, and that sort of shadowing time, that would definitely come into the 20% for me and should make up no more than 20% of the learning experience that that, that, that new hire has. Um, one of the big problems with this approach, in my opinion, is the... Um, well, I'll reference two, actually. The first is the lack of uh, theory, sound learning theory that will tend to go into that type of development program. Because the person, that the expert that's being shadowed simply doesn't have the knowledge and understanding of, of the principles of learning to be able to convey the information, the learning objectives, um, in, the, um, in the most efficient and effective manner. The other one for me is that... Um, I often refer to sales as being a as being a, a blend of science and art. The scientific elements are the the bits that are repeatable and definable best practices. There are certain things that we know simply need to be within the makeup of an effective salesperson, and it really doesn't matter what industry, product, or service you take to market. The ability to build rapport, the ability to um, prep for a meeting and set the scene early on in a meeting. There are definable best practices that we can take and train efficiently and effectively. And for me, they're just a couple of the many elements that I consider to be the science of selling. Then you've got the, the art, the bit that is um, unique in each sales interaction and in each salesperson, because it's based on the soft skills, the experience that that individual has, and the way that they communicate, the nuances of the way that they communicate. And for me, an effective uh, onboarding experience with, re with regards to um, sales is really focusing on the models and the tools and the frameworks, the scientific element of um, the what and then supporting each one of those inductees or those new hires to be able to apply them in their own way, in a way that they are comfortable. Because for me, that's the shortest route to um, success and optimal sales performance. 
We could go on and on and on, but I'm getting the signal that our time is up. Mr. Ian Jones, Vice President of Training and Enablement at Vendasta Technologies. It's been a it's been a privilege working with you over the last few months, and I'm looking forward to what we might be able to accomplish here as we move forward. And thank you for taking a few minutes out of your time and joining us on the Conquer Local podcast. Likewise, George. Looking forward to it. Mr. Ian Jones, VP of Sales Training and Enablement, and the four levels of competence. So interesting. We just covered that in an episode a little while ago. And Ian has it as one of his key components of any curriculum. And then that idea of the forgetting curve, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. Have you ever attended a session, webinar, listened to a podcast? Half an hour later, you can't even remember a quarter of it because maybe you were on LinkedIn scrolling or trying to multitask, which most people can't do very well. Having that idea of a, a level of repetition that is based on science so that your organization has a much better chance of retaining, boy, wouldn't that be great? Ian covers that inside this episode. And then this idea of 70, 20, 10. And when I first, you know, he put that up on a slide and I'm like, oh, thank God, somebody who gets it. Um, we can't just always have that shadowing motion. And if we don't layer in the theory underneath, shadowing doesn't work because usually with shadowing comes a whole bunch of colloquial phrases and acronyms and um, things that you, you would have to have the underlying curriculum to understand. So you need the theory. Yes, you definitely need the shadowing. The 70-20-10 is a really important piece to this. Learning through others, the traditional learning through the books, and then just getting in there and experiencing it and uh, taking responsibility to get to some of those key learnings is uh, it's going to be a game changer for organizations that adopt this type of a learning system. And then that idea of building a system and building a process and then measuring it and see if it's giving you the results, like truly putting a training methodology in place. It is, you know, something that I've long wanted to do. And, you know, definitely now we have the uh, competency in our organization with Mr. Jones to make that happen. Hope that you found today's episode to be as enlightening as I found Ian's information to be months back when he first shared it with me. Mr. Ian Jones, VP of Training and Enablement this week on the Conquer Local podcast. You can continue the conversation with Ian or any of our guests in the Conquer Local community. And inside the community, we can carry on topics. You can reach out to any of our guests and you can also leave suggestions for season four, which is just around the corner. In 2021, we will start into our fourth season and we're looking for ideas, concepts, things that you would like us to interrogate, maybe even guests that you would like us to reach out to, to bring onto the show. We're looking forward to uh, hearing from you as we start to plan for 2021 and season four of the Concord Local Podcast. On behalf of Brent, our sound engineer in the Sound Lounge and producer Colleen, my name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath. <laughs>